Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I want to bring a message to you this morning that I hope will bless you and challenge you as well. I'm not a big prosperity preacher. I, don't, I, I really feel like some of the prosperity messages that are out there, you know, the, the message about you need a big house and a big car and all that, that don't really work at Angola State Penitentiary. If I go into Angola, which we've been going into now for nine years, if I go in there preaching that prosperity message, they're just going to kind of look at me or get up and walk out. Amen? I was in Nicaragua back in February. That prosperity message don't work in Nicaragua either. Come on, you, t- you tell somebody they need a big old house and they're just trying to figure out how they're going to get their food for the, for the night. But I do believe there's one prosperity message that will work no matter where you're at, no matter where you live, no matter what condition you're in, and that is a soul prosperity. And I believe God wants to prosper our souls. Here's the one thing that I've learned through the years is that I, I've, I've run, run into and encountered gentlemen, business ladies, that they have very large bank accounts. They live in real big houses. They drive really, really nice cars, but they're miserable. And the reason they're miserable is because this is not right. And everything inside of here is not in order. And everything in here has not been put in in its proper place and perspective. I've also run into a lot of individuals that are living paycheck to paycheck, that are in poor health, that don't have the best of conditions, but they are as happy as anybody can imagine. And it's because of everything being okay right here. So I want to do this this morning. I want to talk. I want you to point to your chest right here. Come on, point right here and say, I need this to be right. Come on. When this is right, when, when everything is going on here, when this is prospering, You can be in poor health or in poor financial situation and everything's going to be okay because you know when this is right, that this is right. And you know that no matter what goes on around you, because this is right, he's going to take care of you. That's what God wants us to have. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the third book of John. John, the third book of John, chapter 1. And I'm going to read a story to you real quickly. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, which I hope you are, it's proven that if you take notes, 90% of the time you have a greater chance of making it to heaven. (laughs) That's not true. I made that up. just picking with you. But I want you to take notes. I think it's going to help you today because I'm going to give you 11 points. I'm just joking. It's not 11. It's actually only 9. I told the 9 o'clock service I'm giving you 9 points. Since you're at the 9 o'clock service, 11, you get 11. Now, if you come to the 5 o'clock, I'm only going to give you 5. But no, I want to I give, give you about nine points this morning, but I promise they're going to be simple and easy. But I want to read this passage of Scripture in, in uh, the third book of John, John the Elder. And he's got a really neat chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Let's look at it. It says this, the elder to the beloved Gaius. How many of you in here have ever heard of this guy named Gaius? How many of you have ever read the story? Very few. Very few people have heard about Gaius. You need to know about Gaius, and you're going to hear about him today. Look at the person next to you say, I need to know about Gaius. Okay? Look at that other person you've been ignoring, not saying anything to. Say, you need to know Gaius too. (laughs) Hopefully you haven't been ignoring your husband or your wife. Uh Uh-oh, come on, somebody. We offer marriage counseling, Jared. No, I'm just saying. 
He says to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Look at this. Just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Now let me just say this. You can study this all you want to, but there's really not a lot of information that we have about this gentleman by the name of Gaius. Matter of fact, this is the only time in Scripture that Gaius is mentioned. You can read a lot of different commentaries and, and, and follow a lot of different scholars and readings about this particular thing, and there's not really a lot that they know about Gaius. But John knows Gaius. And if John knows Gaius, we need to know Gaius. If John felt it befitting to put him in Scripture, there's an important lesson that we need to learn. Undoubtedly, God's wanting us to learn something from Gaius. And here's what I believe it is. Gaius was, one, was an individual that John mentored. He was somebody that John invested his life in. We don't know because the scholars don't know either and studies doesn't show if this is someone that basically maybe came to the Lord through some of John's preaching or if this is someone who gave their heart to the Lord and then John began to mentor them. But all we know is that there's this relationship between John and Gaius and it is so intense that John actually refers to him as his beloved. It means that we have this kindredship. We have this, this, I've got this affection for you because of your affection towards the Father, because of your relationship with God, because I know you to be a man who doesn't preach one thing and live another, but I believe you to be a man that preaches and lives the same identical message. There's something to be said about an individual that will preach one thing and live it as well. Too often today we run into individuals that they preach one message in front of you but live something totally different when you're not around. And the best testimony to prove that you are who you say you are and that you're living the life you say that you live, it's not by what you say because let's be honest, we are very good at masking what's really going on. Some of you came into church today and somebody asked you, hey, how you're doing? And you said, I'm doing great when you know deep inside you're not. You know that you just had to beat your kids before you walked into church this morning. <laughs> oh, I'm doing good now. It was a little rough getting here, but once I got in that parking lot, it was on and it's good. Just all the tension's been released. It feels good. Poor kids are walking behind you, dragging it. Anyway. But there's something to be said that whenever... Other individuals talk about you. Other individuals refer to you. Conversations come up. Your name is mentioned. That they are, they are able to validate, hey, I know that guy. I know he's a true man of his word. I know that she is a true woman of character and integrity. I know that she doesn't just preach it to somebody else, and she's not just that way at work. She's that way everywhere that we go. There's something to be said. I believe that we are having the issues in our society today, and the direct, one of the direct results is the fact that we've, got, uh, uh, we've gotten real good at saying one thing but living something totally different. And so it did John so good to hear the message that was coming back from these individuals that had been spending time with Gaius, and all of a sudden they're like, listen, Gaius has got it going on. Here's some other things that we don't really know. Look what it says here. Again, it says, 
but I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Here's another thing that many scholars believe. They believe that Gaius is somewhere between the age of 40 and 60. And Gaius has got some health issues. There's something going on physically. We don't know what it is. We don't know if it was a, something where he had been persecuted, he had been beaten, and now all of a sudden he's got some things going on. We don't know if he just you know, was eating a lot of you know, breads or something and kind of got high cholesterol. We, we really don't know what was going on with Gaius. But we know that Gaius is in poor health. But in the middle of his poor health, Gaius is still pointing people to Christ. He is still walking rightly with the Lord. You want to know what that says? Is that your physical condition should not dictate your spiritual condition. Your social status should not dictate your spiritual condition. Your financial status should not dictate your spiritual condition. The problem that we have today is this, is that immediately when something bad happens to us, rather than us letting our soul and our healthy soul take over, we're not healthy, and so we allow everything else to dictate what kind of a day we're going to have or how we're going to treat other people or how we're going to respond to certain circumstances. Gaius was a man that said, listen, I know I might be in poor health. I might not be financially where I need to be. But I'm born again, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and that's all I need. So I think inside of there, and, and I love what John ends it with. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And you know, I believe it's the same thing that God would speak to us today, that there's no greater joy that we can give our Father than we're walking in the truth. So I start, I've got a couple of things I want to give you, because so, I want to talk about how do we prosper our soul? Pastor Timmy, how, do we, how does my soul prosper? How can I make my soul healthy? How can I make things right in here and keep it healthy? So I want to give you nine things, okay? Nine things that I want to give you. Here's the first thing that you need to, you need to do, put in place in order to have a healthy soul. Question your doubts and not your faith. Question your doubts. We spend too much time dwelling on our doubts and experiencing our faith is just a flash in the pan. Understand something. God's promises are for his believers. We don't get some of the things that we've been asking for. We don't see some of the manifestations taking place in our life because we don't believe that they're going to happen. We pray amiss. We pray in doubt. We pray just throwing it out there, not sure. We don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm praying it, but I'm just not sure about this thing. We need to quit questioning our faith. We need to get solid in our faith. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. How does that happen? That's by knowing what God's Word says about us. If you don't know what God's Word says about you, then you don't know what God says about you. And if you don't know what God's Word says about you, then what you have, then what you have coming into your life are all other kind of people, things, and th stuff. Social media, TV, news stations, and other individuals that have no relationship with God, but they're going to tell you they think they know what's best for your life. It's funny how we, all, we want to run everywhere else except to the plumb of our life, which the plumb line of our life is God's Word. Everything should go from there. Everything in our life should be going. We should line everything in our life, relationships, how we conduct ourselves, how we treat other individuals, how to raise our children, how to be a better husband or a better wife, based on the plumb line of God's Word. 
When we can get solid in who we are in Christ, then when the doubts come, we've got the word of God to push them away. But if we don't know what God's word says about us, every little bitty thing that happens to us, we all of a sudden create doubt starts coming up in our mind. We need to question those doubts. And we need to get solid in our faith and know who we are in Christ. A lot of times doubts will arise because God hasn't answered the prayer the way that we think he should. I, I heard something about a year ago, and it really transformed, for me personally, it really just transformed how I approach God and view my prayers when I pray for certain things. Because I'm, I'm just like each and every one of you in here, there are things that I pray for on a daily basis. There are things that I ask God for on a daily basis. And then there are things that randomly come up that I pray for. And if you're not careful, you would automatically think that God tells you no. Look at the person next to you and say, God's never told me no. Do you realize that God's never told one single person no in their life? Not one person. You say, hold on, Pastor, I don't know what I'm saying. God answers your prayers in one of three ways. He either says, yes, not now, I've got something better. Think, think about it from that perspective. You've been praying for something, and you've been asking God for something, and the answer hasn't come, but something else came. Aren't you glad that God didn't answer that prayer? Come on. Some of y'all ran into one of your old girlfriends, old boyfriends, and you're like, thank you, God. <laughs> but boy, at that time, you were praying, come on, Lord, just let her notice me. Come on, God, if you just get me. And now all of a sudden you're looking back like, oh, you the man, you, you, you the man. So we got to understand that God knows what's best for your life. And if you've been praying for something and it hasn't come, just understand God's got something better on the way. Amen? So we need to make sure that we question our doubts and not our faith. Here's the second thing. Don't be a lone ranger. Don't be a lone ranger. Our growth in God comes from relation, not isolation. Let me say that again. We grow in our faith and we grow in our walk with God as we have relationships around us, not as we're sitting over here isolating ourselves away from everybody. When we isolate ourselves, we open ourselves up for anything the enemy has. You want an example? I love watching the, the Natural Geographic channel. I love watching shows about animals and, you know, how they do things and migrations and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always amused at the gazelle. You know, here's the thing. A lion never runs right up in the middle of a bunch of gazelles. You ever notice that? He waits for that goober gazelle that's sitting off by himself over there. <laughs> hey, yo, come over here. The grass is good over here. And all of a sudden, as he's being a goober over there and getting away, and the rest of the herd's like, no, come back. <laughs> Get back over here. Next thing you know, he becomes the grass for the lion. Come on, somebody. Look at the person next to you say, I don't want to become the grass. <laughs> Isolation is not a healthy thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know, that, I know that Jesus went to be with the Father from time to time, but every, he, he was only there for a short time, and he came right back down and got with the people. You ever, under, you ever notice that in the Old Testament, God always referred to his people, his people as a whole? And in the New Testament, he always talked about the congregation. Everything was addressed to the congregation. 
See, there's life in relationships. I need people in my life so that I can keep my thought process right from time to time. Brother Mike and Miss Lynn McCain, who serve as our associate pastors on staff, I tell people all the time, they're my spiritual parents. I need those individuals in my life. Miss Lynn keeps me and Brother Mike McCain in line all the time. She preaches at us and gets us straight left and right. Because sometimes, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not, sometimes you can get a little thrown off. Amen? Even pastors get thrown off from time to time. And we need people in our lives to, to, to bring us back, to kind of gather. I know you got great vision, but guess what? We're going to need some finances. Take care of them. Come on back. Let's kind of let's settle down. So we need relationships. Look at the person next to you. Say, I need you. We need one another. Isn't it funny, though, they said the Lone Ranger, but he had Tonto. <laughs> if I'd have been Tonto, I'd have been like, I'm not going nowhere. Do you change your name? You ain't the Lone Ranger. You think you, you think you can do it all, Mr. Lone Ranger? Go ahead and take all them guys on. You don't need me. Here's the third thing. Guard your thought life. Guard your thought life. Look what it says, Romans chapter 8, verse 6. It says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. It, it's, it, you need to practice mind management. When you begin to see that your thoughts are starting to go all over the place, you need to call somebody Whatever you got to do, get somebody around you, praying for you so you can begin to harness those thoughts. You know, the other thing, too, is, is that you've got to make sure you follow what's being put in you because those are some things that can contribute to a bad thought life. But we need to guard our thoughts. You may have some individuals in your life that are speaking things that are not godly. Shut them out. Don't listen to what you, we need to take every thought that comes into our life, every thought that comes into our mind, we need to corral it and say, okay, where does this line up with God's word? Is there any validity in what's being spoken to me? Is there any, is there any truth to this at all? And when you can take it and compare it to the, to the word of God, if there's truth, then hey, we're good to go. If it's a lie, then you know how to get rid of it. We need to guard our thoughts. We need to watch exactly what it is that's going into our mind. We need to make sure that we practice mind management. Here's number four. We need to fall asleep and wake up immersed in gratitude. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. We need to be thankful. I am thankful for the men and women that stood up here today that have served our country to allow us to have the freedom to assemble in this place this morning to worship our God. Because I can promise you right now, there are individuals meeting, and they're not in open air like we are. They're underground. They're being hit because if they get busted for worshiping God, they're going to spend five years in a re-education camp away from their family or possibly have their lives taken. If God never answered another single prayer in my life, if, God, if I were to pray for a thousand things and God didn't answer one single thing, the fact that he saved me, set me free, and put me on the right path is plenty enough. I wasn't a bad kid growing up. You can ask my mama. She was here at the first service. She'll validate this. I wasn't a bad kid. I was a yes, sir, no, sir. But I, would, I didn't know God. I didn't have a relationship with God. 
I had good morals and everything, but I just didn't know who God was. But on May the 28th, 1986, at 8.35 p.m., I remember that day. Why do I remember it? God stepped into my life, and I did a 180, and all of a sudden, he became real to me. Now he wasn't my grandmother's God, and he wasn't my mama's God. He was my God. He was my Father. He was my Lord. He was my Savior. And because of that, I am thankful. Every day that I wake up and breathe, breathe breath into my lungs, I'm thankful that God put the breath in my lungs that I got one more day to serve him and follow him and tell other people about him. I got to be thankful for the things. Listen, how many times do we, something bad happens to us, what do we, we immediately run to Facebook. Blah! I just had to get that out. It's like you literally go to the keyboard and go, Bruh! and it's, it's all over out there in social media. Some people, you've lost, you've lost some friends or some followers because all we do is just throw this negative stuff out there. And we have no appreciation and no gratitude and no thankfulness for the things that God's given us. You understand that sometimes God doesn't allow you to have certain things because you couldn't handle it if he gave it to you. And you wouldn't be thankful or appreciative for the things that he's already done for you. How many times have we told our kids, I'm not giving you that. You didn't even thank me for the last thing I did for you. You didn't even show any appreciation for the last thing I got you. Why am I going to give you something else? Just make you get more spoiled. See, if we have a thankful spirit, we have a, a spirit of gratitude, then all of a sudden things change. So we need to make sure. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. You know what that word all in the Greek means? Thank you. It means all. We got a Greek scholar right over there, right there. Greek scholar. That word all means all in the Greek. It means all. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. Watch this. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Do you understand that when, you th when you're thankful, you are in God's will? So what does that mean? That means when you're unthankful, you're out of God's will. Think about the next time you get ready to go on social media and blast out a bunch of things and say all, all kind of negative things that I'm about to exit God's will for my life and be unthankful for the stuff that he's done for me. We want to talk about what's God's will, what's God's will. You know one of the things that you can be assured of to know that God's will is for your life? Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what he's done for you. Be thankful for your husband instead of complaining about him all the time. Be thankful for your wife and the meal that she did cook even though it didn't come out the way you thought it was going to. Some of y'all are like, God, he went there, man. I can't. Oh. Be thankful. Number five, get rid of anything that distracts you from God. Now, let me just say that does not, not mean, that does not mean your spouse, okay, right there. Some of y'all heard that and like, oh, that's the Lord. I'm signing papers right now. Not what I'm talking about. It's not what it is. Anything that distracts you from toss out the junk reading material, and if you need to, throw the TV away. You know what? One of the problems, and I hate to keep harping on this, that one of the problems that we have is that we spend too much time on Facebook and not enough time in the good book. 
I, I saw somebody put on Instagram, I, I do Instagram, and had that Mari Povich guy that does all the, the, the lie detector tests and everything. And Mari Povich, it says on there, you said that you didn't have time to spend in God's Word. Your Facebook account determined that was a lie. <laughs> we need to make sure that we're getting rid of the distractions. There may very well be somebody in your life that is a distraction. They're not encouraging, for, encouraging you towards your relationship with God. They're actually pulling you further away from God. I tell young people, I did, I did a youth camp about, about a month and a half ago. And, and I've, I, I did youth ministry for 15 years. And I saw this all the time. There would be these students that would come down on one of the nights where God just broke them. and They'd get in an altar and they'd just begin to weep and weep and weep. And I'm going to change my, my school and I'm going to live for God. And, and then they go right back home. And what, they still got God's word. They still have his presence. They're still in the youth group. But these friends keep coming around that pull them down. And instead of walking away from them, they feel like since we've been together since kindergarten, I owe it to them. No, you don't. If they're not going to benefit you in your walk with Christ, guess what? We can be friends. Call me if you need something. But I'm not going where you're going, and I'm not doing what you're doing. We need to get rid of the distractions. If somebody's not encouraging you in your faith and strengthening you in your faith, then you might need to look for different individuals to hang out with and different places to go. Get rid of the distractions. Somebody told me, Somebody told me, he said, uh, one of the guys in our church, he said, uh, he said, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God takes that desire for hunting and fishing out of you. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That ain't God. He said, I just, I said, he said, why, why you say I said, you know why I said I said, because I never feel closer to the Lord whenever he and I are spending quality time together. I said, I might be catching fish. I said, I don't kill too many deer, so. I said, I, I, that's when I feel the closest where I'm able to just spend time with the Lord. I love that. Somebody told me a while back, they said, man, you sure do post a lot of pictures about kayak fishing and deer hunting and everything. You must, do you ever even work? I said, yeah, just on Sundays. No, I'll just show you. <laughs> that's what most people think. You just work one day. Well, anyway. I, I said, no, what I do is every trip I go, I take like a thousand pictures. And every time I think about it, I just put it on social media. I just, that's where I'm at. I said, I don't really, go. but I love it because that's where I'm able to spend quality time with the Lord. And, um, but be, get involved in those things that are going to encourage you in your walk and get rid of the distractions. Get them out of your life. Here's number six. You get anything out of this today? Yes. Always, always err on the side of mercy. I love what Philip Yancey says here. He says, I marvel at the humility of a God who descends to live inside his flawed people, but do I show the same attitude towards people of whom I disapprove? We, we, want, we want mercy to be extended. Mercy, mercy. God, show me mercy. God, show me mercy. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes to us and somebody enters our pathway and we don't want to show mercy to them. How is that even fair? God's looking at you like, didn't I just extend mercy to you? It's kind of like that, that, the, this parable in the Bible about the man that owed this king money and, and he goes over to him and, and begs for mercy, begs for mercy, and the king gives it to him. And then he goes back and some guy owed him just a little bit and he ended up having him beaten and thrown in jail. That's, that's sometimes that's what we are. You don't know what somebody's going through at the moment that you encounter them. This one concept, you would, you would look at waitresses and waiters totally different if we just had this. Because what happens? We go to a restaurant, man, we're, we're hungry. I'm hungry, hungry. Gotta get food, gotta get food, gotta get food. Some of y'all are thinking about it right now. 
good around. And if that waiter or waitress has an attitude or they, they're not as sharp as they need to be or whatever, automatically, well, I'm going to tell you right now, your service is going to dictate your tip. You give me good service, you get a good tip. You give me bad service, you don't know what they've been walking through. You don't know what they've been having, what's been going on in their life. Can't we err on the side of mercy? Brother Mike and Miss Lynn were telling me about a time years ago they were at a conference, a church conference, and they left the conference a little late, and they decided that we're going to go stop and get a little bite to eat. And so they went into the restaurant, and they sat down, and the waitress that came up, they, you could tell she had been there a little, a little long, and it was a, toward the end of the night, and she was tired, and she just had an attitude. She was just real angry and just everything. And, and so Brother Mike, one of the most tenderhearted men you'll ever meet, he just stops, and he'll, I mean, he's not afraid, man. He's bold in his faith. He said, hey, hey, baby, 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 what's the matter? She said, it's these daggum Christians. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? He said, they all go to this conference, they get out the conference and come over here. She said, I'd work my behind off to try to give them good service, make sure their food gets out to them. And she said, you would think with what I do for them and how I try to get it out here that they'd leave me a tip. She said, you know what they do? They leave the tracks on the table want to tell me about their Jesus. And she said, I, I need, she said, I'm trying to support my family and trying to do this, trying to do that. She said, I don't need their faith. She walked off, took their order. She walked off. Brother Mike and them decided that and said, listen, we're not going to be like them other Christians. They started pulling money out there, left her a huge tip. Put it down on the table. When they were getting ready to leave out, Brother Mike says, listen, don't let the ones that you encountered before determine what we're really like. They don't speak for everybody. You, you... you don't know if that lady or that guy has already, they're on their fourth shift. They're a single mother, single father trying to scrap it together to make ends meet. You don't know who they've encountered since before you showed up, and I understand that that shouldn't dictate. But listen, can we just err on the side of mercy? Can we understand that somebody's going to have a bad day? You have a bad day, and you want somebody to extend mercy. You ask for it from your, from your husband or your wife or other people that you work with. Well, if you're going to ask for it, you need to extend it. Number seven, be specific and not revert to generalities when discussing your faith. Hey, are you a Christian? Oh, well, you, I, you know, I got a Bible at my house. I'm, I go to church about twice a month. And, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. The problem that we are having right now in our society is that too many Christians are trying to be politically correct. Can I tell you something? Jesus was never politically correct. You're going to offend people because of your faith. It's what happens when they're living in darkness. It's what happens when they don't want to hear the truth. It's what happens when conviction hits their life. They're not going to like you. But understand what Jesus says. When men do things against you, don't take it personal. It's not you they don't like. It's the me in you they don't like. Am I a Christian? Yes, I'm a Bible-believing, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, beat-you-down Christian. Need to know something else? It's not about being Pentecostal, Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, or whatever else. It's about a bona fide relationship with Jesus. I know he's alive. I got up this morning and talked to him, and he answered me back. 
Be bold in your faith. Your coworker's going to show up at the job after their weekend, talk about all their exploits from the weekend. You know what you need to do? Just buff them and say, Woo, praise God. Let me tell you what happened at church Sunday. Had a drug addict come down. God delivered him, set him free, broke him down. He walked out of there, came in with one spirit, left out with another one. I'm going to talk about all your stuff. I'm going to talk about all my stuff too. Come on. I'm not talking about being. Now, I'm not talking about getting on a street corner either going, you're going to hell. All you sinners. That's, that's, come on, man. That don't work either. Can we, just, can we just share our faith with boldness, not with arrogance, with boldness, sharing who God is in our life and what he's done. I love talking about what God has done in my life. I love talking about how he's changed and transformed. I love talking about the people that God's transforming their lives in St. Francisville and the Felicianas. I love talking about that. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed. Look what it says in Romans chapter 116. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Share your faith. Something happens inside of you when you share your faith. I mean, you walk away with no one. They may have rejected you. They may not have accepted, but they may. And if they do, man, what a life-transforming transforming thing that is for them. Stay away from the generalities. Discuss your faith. Number, number eight, be gracious to those who irk you. You got those individuals in your life. Remember, God chose them too. Sometimes it's easier to be gracious to non-believers than an uptight, judgmental Christian. But that just makes you a different kind of judgmental. There are going to be some people that's going to irk you. There are going to be, you know who they are. You're strolling through Walmart or the grocery store and you look there. the oh. You hiding behind the bananas. Think of a happy place. Think of a happy place. Think of it. Don't see me. Don't see me. Hey, I saw some on the floor. Good to see you. Come on. That's the individual. The phone rings. She's oh, Father. <laughs> I had somebody after one of our. I preached this message at our Highland at our St. Francisville campus, and the guy walks up to me and says, "Am I one of them people that you do that to?" <laughs> I looked at him just as serious, like, "Did you give me a reason to?" The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. God puts those people that irk you in your life to chip away things that you don't need in your life. You talk about extending grace. Have somebody in your life that irks you, and you'll find out if you really do have grace or not. They're gonna, you're going you're gonna to be that individual that irks somebody. It's just part of what's going to happen, but... Let's make sure that we extend grace, give grace, give grace. Number nine, last one. Forgive those who hurt you. Wow. I really probably could have just hit this one point this morning and just focused on it because here's the reality. Unforgiveness is a cancer to your soul. There are so many people that are walking around in churches today that are not seeing the fulfillment of God in their life because they've been harboring unforgiveness towards someone. 
they've been hurt. Maybe it was something that happened in their childhood. Maybe it was something that happened just a few years ago, a few months ago, but they've not been able to let it go. And your soul is never going to be as healthy as it should be as long as you keep holding on to it. The longer we continue to hold this in, the longer we stay injured. Harboring hatred hinders healing. Instead of bringing the healing of Christ to us, we're repelling it because we're saying, no, I'm holding on to this. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know what they said to me. And God's saying, I do. Others have done the same to me. But my son still said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God has so much in plan for us, in store for us. And he wants to take us down this road that you're going to see things that you never thought you'd ever see in your life. But you're going to be limited because your soul is crippled because you keep holding on to that unforgiveness and that hatred and that bitterness and that anger. And God's saying, listen, we would be able to move a whole lot faster and get to our destination a whole lot quicker if you just let it go. That person you're holding it against, some of them may not even know that they did it. Some of them do and they don't care and they're going on living their life and doing whatever and you're the one that's hurting from it. The only way you're going to be able to move forward in what God has is by saying, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm forgiving them. I'm letting them. I want everything that you have. God, bring healing to my soul. Bring healing to my heart. And at that moment, God says, I can work with that. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.